Voices of Upstream is the official podcast of the Upstream Initiative. Upstream is a celebration of Minnesota's natural places and the people who care for it. I'm Andy Goldman Gray, Initiative Director for Upstream. Upstream is a love letter to Minnesota, and we lift up and tell the stories of how we, as Minnesotans, care for our places and our people. We're doing it because Minnesota is special, and we have a common love of our state, and we all agree on the need to care for it. In our travels and conversations from all across our great state, from the Arrowhead to the Red River Valley, Austin to East St. Paul, we've witnessed something amazing, a shared value of caring for our natural places. It's evident that across what may seem like big differences, our geography, our ethnicity, our politics, we all love where we live, and we all take steps to be good stewards of Minnesota. So this podcast is a way to introduce you to some of the people we've met who love and care for this state. We're going to their favorite places, parks, forests, lakes, fields, the places they find special. We're going to find out what makes their places special to them and hear from them about how they care for their places. Today we're at the farm of Upstream Advisor Reese Williams. It's between Rushford and Lewiston in southeast Minnesota. It's just a beautiful part of the state. Reese is a lifelong farmer, formerly led the Good Acre, a market maker for local farmers to sell fresh and healthy produce while supporting smaller farmers with business and technical assistance. Reese's new farm is focused on growing medicinal herbs and plants, a new venture for Reese. Great to be with you in your favorite natural place today, Reese. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So um, this part of the state is really unique. So tell us where we are and describe the surroundings to our listeners. So like you mentioned, we're in southeast Minnesota. We're, um, we're between Rushford and uh, Lewiston, closer to Rushford. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful place to grow food. Um, I farmed here for about 25 years with a farm called Featherstone, an organic vegetable farm. And that's what brought us here. I had farmed in other parts of the country uh, other part, in, up in British Columbia for a while and came here because it was such a beautiful place and it has wonderful soil and um, and the bluffs are gorgeous here. I mean, it's just, it, it's funny how few people know about it because it's really, really beautiful and I really feel blessed to be able to live down here. So this is called the Driftless region yeah, of it's Minnesota? Yeah, it's the tip of the driftless yes and so what does that mean for people that haven't been well here the glaciers stopped here you know and they pushed all the good soil and stuff in front of them you know that's how i look at it because we have a silty loam here that can't be beat and we are growing some crops now just as an experiment we haven't fertilized yet we haven't done anything we haven't put compost down and they're thriving so once we get our compost we're going to be certified organic here once we get our amendments on sky's the limit but even without them it everything grows here so it's really it's yeah it's a wonderful area yeah so in addition to the good soil which is priority for you uh for visitors here it's a part of the state that has different terrain than the rest of minnesota so tall bluffs and hills and rolling hills that you don't see in most of minnesota because the glaciers push them flat um, and it is just stunning and we've got a creek that runs through our uh, our property that it's an it's stream fed uh spring fed excuse me and has trout in it you know it's like you can catch trout from breakfast i mean that yeah right does the does the stream have a name or should we not tell it because you don't want it overfished i don't know what it's called honestly i don't you know it, it's yeah i don't know we're sweet sage farm uh, here we just came up with our name 
a month or so ago. So that's that's what we're called. I, I could tell you what the stream is, but I'd blow it and yeah, I can't even, yeah. So There's, it's not often that we get to see a farm sort of start from scratch. You said this hasn't been, this land hasn't been farmed in 70 years? Yeah, it had some cattle run on it, but it had, nobody's been really growing anything on it. So um, describe the process of starting a farm from scratch, because it's really fascinating. Well, I mean, the first thing you've got to do is just find out what what you've got, what your, you know, you take soil samples, you figure out what your soil needs in order to, to help it grow things, you know? Um, and then you go from there. And you also, you spend a lot of time watching it just because you want to know, like, the farm, the, the piece we're farming right now, it's a small piece, five acres or less. Um, and you can tell we planted buckwheat on it. Some of it's thriving, some of it's not. So we're going to figure out, okay, why, what is, you know, inhibiting the growth of the plants in the areas that they're not thriving. And then we're going to add amendments and then just go from there. It's been, it's been plowed, it's been dissed. And then we're going to, uh, and then I, I rototilled a little bit of it. But we're going to be planting some tillage radishes in areas just to see if we can break the hard pan that's there. Um, and just try to, we're just going slow. Just trying not to screw it up, not to disturb it. Just take it easy. Patience is a friend when you're starting a farm, it sounds like. And when you're an old farmer, patience is your friend, yeah. And so you're, um, you literally are living out of a camper right yeah. now. Yep. You don't have a well. So nope. what's like, what's the next six months bring for um, Sweet Sage Farm? Well, I hope it brings a well, but um, no, basically we're just observing now. We've got three different fields that we'll be working with. Um, the second field, we've just cleared it of, of cedar trees. Um, and then we're gonna plow it in the next few months, probably fall. Uh, and then started getting cover crops on. Everything will be hopefully cover crop before winter um, with something on it one way or another just to get it set for the spring so there'll be some healthier soil there. And you and your wife live in Minneapolis? We do. When you're not down here starting a farm? Yes. What's the long-term plan? Are you gonna move down here? Is I don't that know. You know, I just left uh, the Good Acre in December. Um, I loved it there, uh, still a big fan. Um, this was an opportunity that I that I just took. We haven't really worked out the long-term stuff. We're, yeah, this is all new to us. I'm having a gas. This is fun as hell, and and uh, and my wife supports me. We're going to be growing some tea herbs for teas, and she loves. She makes tea anyway, so uh, I'm learning her world basically. Working with some really marvelous people in this area who are doing similar work. Uh, to try to help them so and so you're this isn't going to be corn or soybeans no. um, tell us what you're going to be growing here well we're probably going to be growing about 35 herbs right now we're just experimenting with a few mugwort calendula we've got some echinacea we've got bee balm lemon balm different types of uh, basil we're going to put ginger in uh, and and put hoop houses up for our ginger and turmeric um, I hope we did that at the Good Acre, grew ginger, turmeric. It did really, really well. Um, and so that's the spring is starting with those crops and investing uh, in those. So we're gonna, there's going to be a variety of things. The, the interesting thing about this is we found areas of our forest, of our woods, where we're planting other horsetail, which is a Native American um, 
used by Na Native Americans. We've got some of that in our woods that we've planted, and we're going to be using other areas. That's the weird thing. I mean, this is permaculture, and as a vegetable farmer, I, I haven't done permaculture before, so I'm learning a lot about it. it, it, it there's no straight rows. You just go with what God gives you, and, and you know, it seems to work. So. So patience and flexibility sounds yeah. like the two. Yeah, and the two keeping gifts. your mind open. That's the biggest. For somebody who farmed one way for many, many years, it takes some yeah, patience to change. So some people leave a job, like your job at the Good Acre as executive director, and yeah. sort of retire yeah. and, and take it easy, go to baseball games or golf or something like that. Uh, why was this so important to you to come down and, and do this work? Well, I, I love farming. I've always loved farming. I did it for quite a while. I grew apples and uh, pears on the West Coast and on the East Coast and vegetables here in Minnesota. I just love the process, you know, and I'm very blessed, as I said earlier, to have this opportunity because um, not every, you know, land is expensive everywhere. And having, you know, we've got, I don't know, there's 99 acres on this plot and there's, and we're going to be using probably 10 or 15 total to grow our, our the herbs we're going to grow. It's just, I, I, yeah, I'm just very, very lucky and didn't didn't want to pass up the opportunity when our friends who own the land suggested they'd love to do some farming. I was all in. I mean, what, you know, what could be better? So you've got a partner in this work. It's not partner. just you. Yep, yeah. couple. That's yep. great. So you get to work with them and think about the challenges and opportunities there. Yeah, what? and we spent a lot of time doing that and, and keep lots of records. And, and has that been your practice in farming before or is that also a new venture for you? No, no, I'm pretty anal about that kind of stuff. I mean, the more information we have, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And it's part of the fun for me. It's just figuring out what works and what doesn't. Because there's so many wild cards. You have so little control, um, ultimately. But just to have, to have as, to build your own control, even if it's just all in your head, makes it a lot easier for me take some of those unpredictable elements and makes you feel like you have a little bit of control you over them. You think, yeah, you think you do. And then you get a hailstorm. And then you're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you said it's going to be certified organic. Yeah. And so obviously caring for your place is really important to you as a farmer. Uh, what are things that you're doing on this farm or things that you've done in past um, farming to take care of our natural places? So what are some of the strategies you've used or practices that maybe people could emulate? in their own garden or in their own uh, farming practice? Well, I mean, I, I feel like when we, I, when I first started farming, I farmed conventionally. Um, and I was in uh, Washington State and working on a very big farm, uh, managing it, and we were a conventional growers. And I saw the destruction it did firsthand. You know, um, we killed bees by the tons because we'd spray during bloom. I mean, it's just it's just in the system. And I realized that this was not the way um, we should be doing things. And that gave me the opportunity. I switched over soon after I started and have been organic ever since. There's all kinds of ways of just being consciously um, aware of, of what you're putting out there and putting on as few pesticides and herbicides as you possibly can. Stay away from fungicides entirely. They're just, they just kill life. Um, and do your best with what you got and take the hit. I mean, you can, you can, when at the Good Acre, what we tried to do is help farmers make money. That was our whole point. Um, and that, but that, that meant being paid a little bit more for what you grew and not 
and being able to just reject stuff that wasn't right. And in the in the conventional world, you have perfect uniformity. Everything's the same. Um, in the world that we live in, that's not that's not how we are. So hmm. just take the defects, make what you can out of that, um, and do the best you can with what you got. You know, um, and that's I feel like we've been very conscious of how we plowed our grounds. You know, there's different ways of doing things, um, and we've been we try to make as least impact on the soil and on the soil structure as we can. And. So that's that's a practice you use in farming, but also getting to know you a little bit, that seems like a practice you apply to your whole life. What are other ways that you care for for people and care for community and care for um, the the world that you live in as much as you do the earth that you farm? Wow. Um, you know, I, I just feel like everybody should have an, an even playing field. And I feel like in the in the farming world where I was, that was the whole good acre. That was trying to to um, just kind of build up the, the areas where th there wasn't fair. You know, people of color were getting screwed um, and not making as much money and being pushed aside to small markets. And, and it was a struggle and it didn't have to be. So what we tried to do was just even the playing field and just make it so everybody has the same opportunities. Um, we started this um, and growing these herbs because there's a big need for Native American herbs. Within, their, within that community. My partner here is Native American and she knows firsthand. And so our plan is to grow stuff for them um, um, so we can do that also with Chinese herbs, trying to have a local source for, uh, for acupuncture. There aren't many local sources. So it's, it's all about trying to build a local community and provide for people that struggle to get stuff, you know? And so that sort of weaves us into what Upstream's trying to do as well. So what attracted you to being an advisor for Upstream? Oh, I think Upstream's a great idea. I mean, I I've, I believe that since John Larson told me the first time and I immediately jumped into it. I was all in. I just feel like um, looking at it and looking at things in a holistic view um, and big picture stuff and trying to make changes um, on that level um, is going to, you know, trickle down to, to smaller stuff, too. So I just, I love it. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think the people that's been chosen as advisors, I think you and Huda, Andy, you and Huda have done a fabulous job. And then the, all the, there's such a talented group of people in so many different sectors. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I think it's a damn good thing. So um, one of the things that we see as we've been around Minnesota and we've gone sort of every direction, every cardinal direction in Minnesota is how close our agricultural land is to our natural places. So you said that there's a, the largest hardwood state forest in Minnesota is- Right, it borders our land. Borders your land. We see that everywhere we go. So why is it so important to engage um, farmers and ranchers and thinking about new ways to do what you described, the sort of the big factory farming that can have such impact on the natural places that we rely on? Well, I think it's happening. I mean, I feel like the neighbors around here have accepted us a lot faster than they did when we originally started Featherstone 25 years ago. We struggled with our neighbors. They were conventional farmers. They weren't really interested in learning about what the what the uh, people doing the organic is. Now we've had a lot of support from people, and and have had and it was our neighbors who came and plowed our ground for us. So I feel like there is a better attitude, a better acceptance now than there was 
25 years ago. It still has a long way to go. I mean, what what they still spray for the parsnip that grows on our, you know, along the roads. That's spray. We wouldn't. We don't do that. I was mm-hmm. shocked when there was all these dead weeds out there. But that's still done by the county, and that's just one way area where it's got to be thought through a little bit more. Yeah. And I feel like having the hardwood forest, having that protected is fabulous for us because there's no drift coming from there and we'll be able to do it what we want without having, you know, people doing it. And, and it'll also help the streams. Yeah. I think one of the things that excites me about upstream is, is that openness that people have all over the state that we talk to about having that conversation. So not, I'm not judging that you spray or how you yeah. farm, but let's have a conversation about why this place is so important to protect and how we can do it better together. And that's that's sort of the heart of upstream for me. And it sounds like your neighbors here are engaging in that discussion more willingly than maybe they would have a quarter century. Well, ago. I hope so. I mean, I think they know that we like farming. I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah. You know, they see us out there doing hand with hand tools, you know, and I feel like it, we're doing the same reason they are. I mean, they're making a hell of a lot more money than we are, but, you know, we're it's the same thing. It's a love of of producing food and growing things that we have in common with them. So it's it's not like we're strangers. So you've had a chance, um, it sounds like, both in your career, uh, but also personally to travel all over the state, actually all over the nation, it sounds like. And um, What's one thing that you think Minnesota has that makes us unique that is worth protecting and caring for? I mean, I think Minnesota is a beautiful place. I, I think, I think the people don't appreciate it as much as they should, especially Minnesotans. You know, the kind of humble, sort of aw shucks attitude that people have. Um, I, I don't know if they they really understand how beautiful it is here. Um, I feel like that's, I think the attitude here is something to protect too. I mean, I feel like that there's a humbleness to the folks that I really appreciate. And there's also, you know, um, there is, there is a good community. We've lived in communities in different places. And even in the cities where we live now, we've stumbled into a community there. And down in this area, there's large communities. So I very much appreciate that, the, the fact that people will come together. Even if, they're, even if they have things that are pretty different, there's always something to find in common. So let's say, uh, fast forward 10 years, and this place is humming you're producing, you've got a good market, and you're gonna really retire now. <laughs> and you decide you're gonna move out of Minnesota. What's one place you could see yourself living that isn't in Minnesota? That's a good question. I don't know, That's a, I don't know. You know, I lived in Kenya for a little while. I'd go back there in a heartbeat, but um, I don't know. I, I can't think of, you know, we lived in Vermont. I mean, Vermont's similar to as far as politics and other things. Uh, it's a pretty place. Um, we've lived in upstate New York. We lived in Washington State. We probably live wherever our kids live. Honestly, that would be, they live in a beautiful part of the world now in Alberta, Canada. That's probably it. I, I don't, I can't think, I trace, my wife's from Washington State and she loves it here. And so we've never even thought about moving, you know, uh, outside of this area. That's the right answer if you're a Minnesotan. I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Um, all right, so before I let you go, Reese, uh, Christy and I joined the Good Acre uh, CSA this year. Yeah. So we, we subscribed, and we're getting really interesting stuff that we would never buy or experience out. Oh, good. What do you do with a garlic scape? 
Oh, you use it just like garlic. It's delicious. Yeah. How come I never knew about this? You know, it, it's just a mild form of garlic. And yeah. when we grow ginger next year, the tops of the ginger, same thing. Oh. Just mild ginger. It's delicious. No, garlic scapes are fabulous. They're, yeah. And people cut them and throw them away. I mean, that's a normal thing. But somebody's figured it out, why well, you can eat these They're and you can the squeeze them. They're just the garlic root? Yeah, it's just a flower. Oh, yeah. It's just a flower. Well, folks, if you haven't tried a garlic scape before, yeah. go out and find one. Um, it's like an onion and a garlic had a baby. Yeah. It's like the best thing we've ever had. Yeah. Well, Reese, thanks for inviting me to your uh, new farm. Say the name again. Uh, Sweet Sage. Sweet Sage. That's a good name. I hope so. Thanks for inviting us. It's beautiful here. Uh, folks, if you haven't been to southeastern Minnesota, to the Driftless region, Rushford or Lanesboro, come on down. It's a beautiful place to be. Thanks for going upstream, Reese. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Voices of Upstream, a podcast celebrating Minnesota's natural places and the people who care for them. You can learn more about Upstream and the people and places we celebrate by going to www.mnupstream.org and following us on social media, at mnupstream on Instagram and Facebook and Minnesota Upstream on LinkedIn. Take 15 minutes every Friday to get outdoors to one of your favorite places and take a photo, breathe fresh air, and connect to our great outdoors. Tag your photos with hashtag Fresh Air Friday and follow us at MN Upstream. That's all for today. Onward and upstream. <laughs>